If you like what we're doing at Echoplex and aren't into Twitch, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Echoplex. For $5, you can get every show from beginning to end sent to you as an MP3. Even the stuff we bleep out because it's too spicy for Twitch. Echoplex would not be where we are today if it wasn't for the community support we receive. Find out all the ways you can support the show at echoplexmedia.com slash support. Hello, how the tech are you? HK, how the tech are you? Uh, I'm teching great. I'm teching great? <laughs> That's pretty good. That would have been another good name for the show, teching great. I'm great. I'm teching great. <laughs> I'm teching great. I, too, am teching great. I, too, am teching great. You're teching great? Excellent. Right. So uh, this is our weekly tech news show on Echoplex Media. Uh, I'm one of three hosts. And I'm historian Matt. And uh, let's see, what's my segment for today? It is uh, Nvidia lies, corals die, password say bye, and Apple clarifies. So you with the pink microphone. Uh, I am HK Perrin, and I am a software engineer. Uh, and my segment covers mostly uh, software engineering news. Uh, so. Uh, specifically web development, but I'll try and branch out into like application development and server uh, development as well. Uh, and my story this week is regarding application development that I actually did recently. Uh, I have a new app called Stream Overlay, and I want to talk about this. Heck yeah, and I'm producer Dave, and I'm just a talk show host, and today I'm going to be talking about the, so- the Linux software that we use here <laughs> in the studio and on our servers. So Matt, I believe your segment is first. Let's go. All right, let's get going. So first part of my segment is NVIDIA lies. So this one's kind of for Dave, since we brought this up, I think it was actually two shows ago on our very first show. Um, But uh, you mentioned something about NVIDIA, um, like people having a hard time getting GPUs, right? Because of all the miners uh, getting a hold of them. Well, apparently... uh, NVIDIA kind of lied about how many people were buying up the their video cards and their chips for doing cryptocurrency mining. And the Security and Exchange Commission of the United States is basically finding them $5.5 million because of it. Now, this is in reference <laughs> to Ooh, 2017 when uh, the, the previous, you know, crypto bubble... Um, not the current one that seems that may have popped, but uh, the previous one where everybody was, was getting into GPU mining and apparently buying up uh, all the, the video cards. And um, basically NVIDIA basically said they didn't, didn't tell enough people or didn't express exactly how many people were buying all these GPUs, which made their sales look really high, which made people buy their stock like crazy. And then that was great until the, the bubble cra- popped and uh, um, also crashed in NVIDIA stock. So, that fi- uh, like Hunter was saying, or like HK was saying, sorry, that 5.5 million, wow, NVIDIA is going to be out on the corner. Like, alms <laughs> for the poor, alms for the poor. Yeah, that was not a very big <laughs> fine for NVIDIA. They, they probably made a lot more than that. Instead the- of a yeah, guitar case. that's... That's just cost of doing business. Yeah, instead yeah, of a guitar case, yeah. they're going to be standing there with like a like a just a bunch of uh, boxes for GPUs that no longer exist. 
and ask you to throw <laughs> right. a dollar in the box. MTU <laughs> GPU boxes, yeah. Um, right, so that, that's what I got. I'm, I'm going to try and get through these quickly. Don't have a lot of time. So my second, second one is Corals Die. This one's kind of sad. I'm going to bring everybody down. I'm sorry. But apparently a chemical in sunscreen is killing corals. Yeah. Mm. Just when you thought, uh, well, the corals like are already having enough problems, but um, apparently there is a chemical that's used in most sunscreen, and I'm going to try to pronounce it, oxybenzone, I think is how it's pronounced. Uh, right it's to me. one of the main chemicals that absorbs the UV light, and it's great for, for doing that, great in sunscreen. Unfortunately, when it gets into corals, the chemical itself is fine, but then it binds with, I think, glucose, and then that molecule is deadly, basically, to, to corals. And it's, it's even worse than that because uh, a normal coral is kind of okay. They can kind of deal with it if it's not too much. But if they start bleaching, uh, where they're, you know, the corals are, are symbiotes, right? And, and basically have a little, I think it's a little bit of an algae in, in them. And when they bleach, they're expelling that. Well, that apparently makes it even worse and makes it like super deadly. So, because the algae could actually like render the, the chemical harmless. So, I don't know what we're going to do about that. Some beaches have been banning sunblocks because of this. There's, and well, I mean, they're just basically seeing this chemical in the, in the water and, and surprising amounts. And so, they're very concerned about it. But of course, that really sucks because that's going to, that would increase uh, skin cancer. So, I'd be I don't know surprised. What we're gonna do about that. I'd be surprised if we didn't have a replacement chemical for that. Yeah, I don't know. There's a chemicals there's work. a chemicals in the water joke here somewhere, but I can't I can't come up with it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll say goodbye to the corals, I guess. Hope they survive. We really need them. They're really That's cool. really sad. Yeah. Um better news, I guess. Uh password say goodbye. Um not really, but uh Apple, Google, and Microsoft want to kill password with the pass key standard and um basically you're just trying to come up with standards so that you don't have to actually put in a password but instead use your cell phone at least that's the suggested method of doing it of course you don't have to do this this is just a kind of helpful thing and it seems like it's if you have if you've ever used the security key type thing a little you know security usb key uh, it's very similar to that. I think it, it sounds like it works the same way, except it's through your phone or very similar. I did not get into very the, to the deep, uh, didn't get very deep into the how the technology works, but um, it's very similar. So you'd basically, if you wanted to log into something, you're, you would, whatever service would contact your phone and have you like basically log in through your phone and you you wouldn't actually type in a password, but basically say, okay, because your phone is there. And it's doing it through by connecting through Bluetooth, so you don't actually have to have a like a Wi-Fi connection. Uh, interesting stuff. I don't know if it's actually going to work out or um, how used it will be. We will see. It sounds um, like if somebody gets into your phone in this case, they just own all your stuff. Uh, well, sort of. Um, if they have your phone and they can unlock your phone, yes. I feel like that's a whole lot safer though than someone just guessing your password and then they 
yeah own all your stuff i guess you're right for a lot of us for a lot of people out there one email account is a single point of failure for everything and in that email account because people don't really delete their email is like a list of places that they could use to log into with that email <laughs> Yep. So maybe maybe uh, you're right. And people's passwords tend to be really insecure. Yeah. Yeah. This might be a good time to remind well, everybody that if you are uh, just an average computer user, that's a great idea to use a password manager so that you don't even know your password. Absolutely. And so they're like random and complicated. And some of the password managers even offer like two factor within the password manager. Just make sure your password for your password manager is good. Yeah, yes, I mean, most that's of the them only offer... password that you have to remember that has to be good. <laughs> yeah, most most of the password managers do offer two factor authentication. Some of them are not great two factor authentication. Uh, I do suggest using a security key if you know how to use that. Do that. That is like right now one of the most secure ways of logging into something. But check it out. And I finally, personally use Bitwarden, and I love it. Bitwarden I use Dashlane, awesome. and I love it. So, but. Whatever you use, you know, use a good one, but yep. use a bad one. Whatever you it. use, it's better than nothing. Yeah. So I got one more part in my segment and I'm done. But so the last one is Apple Clarify. So I don't know if you guys heard about this, but what was it like last week? Uh, App- Apple said that they were going to remove apps from the app store that haven't been updated in a quote significant amount of time, which turned out to be like 30 days or something (laughs) crazy like that. Um, And a lot of people, a lot of app developers are really unhappy about this because a lot of apps, particularly like little utility apps, like you make them and you're done. Like you don't have to update them. That's not something that you continually have to change and keep up up to date. You do occasionally have to make sure that, your stuff works on newer hardware and uh, newer interfaces and stuff, but it's not something that changes very often at all. Uh, And some really simple utility programs probably don't even need that. Well, it turns out that Apple decided to clarify their position that, so a significant amount of time specifically means like three years, but not really. There's also like a 90 day thing. I don't know exactly how that, how that works together, but also, you're not going to be removed only because you haven't updated your app, but also that if your app hasn't been downloaded in a year. So if you have a utility app and it's getting downloaded regularly, you're probably fine as long as it you know works on the latest hardware. But that's uh, good to know that people aren't just going to have their apps removed randomly. Um, I feel like if they're taking all this money from developers like in order to have an app on the app store you have to pay a hundred dollars a year for a, the developer account yeah so i feel like if they're charging a hundred dollars a year for that account why have any sort of policies like this where you have to keep it updated or else it gets removed this is ridiculous i don't know like, if you're going to do this, then don't charge for the developer account. That's what I would think, because they're, they're just going to lose money, but they may have some reasons for, like, getting rid of broken apps or something, or old, ugly apps or something. I don't know. I can't read Apple's mind. 
So if nobody's downloading somebody's app in the first place and they haven't updated it in a while and Apple removes it, it would be appropriate if that's their only app for Apple to just not bill them the next time it comes around because they have no apps on the app store. It seems like that would be like the appropriate thing. And maybe that's what's going on. Who knows? But also like if your app, so if it's being downloaded like regularly and something's wrong with it, you're going to hear about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and you will end up yeah. having to update your app. So the, the thing about the the time, like if nobody's downloading your app in a year, maybe it should get kicked off the store. Like nobody wants it. It's just, right. It's but just, you're paying to have it on the store. Oh, I also think if somebody has zero apps on the store, Apple shouldn't build them the next time around. There's no, you know what I mean? There'd be no reason to build yeah. that person. Yeah, I'd say if they don't do that, if they don't stop billing you, if they kick your app off, then that's that should be like that should be illegal for them to do that. I might I'd call it theft, petty theft, but still theft. Imagine yeah. being a victim of petty theft and the defendant is Apple. <laughs> <laughs> so, HK, what do you got for us? All right. So, Dave, if you want to bring up my uh stream overlay page, uh, I developed an app called Stream Overlay. It's not on the App Store. It's a Windows and Linux app. Uh, and it's specifically for uh, people who stream on uh, something like Twitch, where you're streaming live, like Twitch or YouTube or Facebook or whatever, where you're streaming live and you have an interactive chat with the audience uh, and you want to see that chat on the screen that you are looking at. So like if you're playing a game, like you can see in uh, in the picture here, if you want to move over to the bigger one. Yeah, this is uh, Control. This is the game Control. And on this screen, you've got chats coming up and uh, a Twitch alert coming up on that screen. Uh, and the reason that I made this, if you want to go back to the readme, the reason that I made this is when I'm streaming on Twitch, uh, a lot of times I'll get chats in the the chat room and I don't see them for like five, maybe 10 minutes. Uh, and by the time I respond to them, I feel really bad because like the reason that someone would want to go to a smaller streamer is that audience interaction. No one wants to watch a stream where someone has like two viewers and the person they're viewing doesn't even react to them at all. So the fact that I was missing these chats was a huge detriment to both me trying to grow my channel and to my viewers who didn't get that interaction that is the whole reason to watch a small uh, a small streamer. So what this allows me to do is it allows me to maintain my focus on my main monitor uh, or especially if you're a single monitor streamer, you only have the one monitor, but it lets me maintain that focus on that monitor and still see incoming chats and alerts on my screen, which it's, it's super nice. I've used it uh, and I, I love it uh, and it works with, uh, with Streamlabs. So if you really, it's just like a browser window. So uh if you've ever used OBS and added like a, a browser window, it's basically that exact same thing, except it's on your desktop instead of in OBS. Cool. <clears throat> yeah, that is, in. that is really great for, <clears throat> for what you're doing. You know, um, 
what you're what you're saying there, especially for a Twitch streamer, yeah, if there's like three or four people watching or whatever, um, it's you're gonna need to respond to them if you're gonna keep the viewers there. So the next time somebody joins, now there's five, and you got to keep that person there. So next time somebody joins, there's now six, and that's definitely how you grow your community. Because even the difference between having like two viewers and having six viewers means more people are going to get your stream recommended to them, even even in that that small number ratio ratio like. We had to learn that when we first got to Twitch, right? We figured that out real quick that we have to be talking to the chat when we're not, except for the times we absolutely cannot. Like, for example, if we were doing this show live, we absolutely cannot talk to the chat because it doesn't make any sense for the people that are listening to the podcast later. <clears throat> but then, you know, we do an after show or whatever, and we're never doing that, by the way. Um, yeah, but <laughs> for me, I stream games, and if I'm just playing a game, uh, having that audience interaction is like is really important if you're trying to grow a channel. And I looked online and I could only find one thing that was similar to this and it only supported Twitch chat. It didn't support anything else. This will support Twitch chat. It'll support Twitch alerts. It'll support uh, YouTube chat, uh, Facebook chat, basically anything that you can put in a browser window that has, you know, just a, a white background because that's like the the background, the unset background is what it makes transparent. Uh, so anything you can put in a browser window, it'll support. Uh, and that Twitch chat one that I found, the only one that I found uh, only works on Windows. So, yeah. <laughs> this is built in Electron, so this will work in Windows and in Linux. Uh, it would work in Mac if I built it for Mac, but I don't think anyone streams games on a Mac. So, like, you know, if you come across this and you want it on Mac, just, you know, file a, an issue on GitHub and say, hey, can you build the Mac version? And I'll do that. Yeah, this is super cool. I think I think a lot of people use it. I think even, like, bigger streamers might be interested in this because... Even, even though like, you know, like <clears throat> now that our channel's established, you know, we'll have 50, 60 people in there. I can just tune the chat out, right? Cause they'll all talk to each other and nobody's going anywhere. Somebody will come in there and try to start an argument or whatever. And then I'll have to like <laughs> scold everyone. But I think a bigger streamer, just like not having to look away ever. Like if you don't want to, I think there's no reason that just small streamers would use this, but it's ideal for a smaller streamer. Cause like you're saying, you want to be engaged in the game. But you absolutely have to engage, especially a new person who shows up in your chat. Yep. Excellent. So yeah, that was uh, that was the first app I've ever built with Electron, and I gotta say, Electron is awesome. Oh, Electron is like a Chromium, right? Yeah, it's uh, it lets you build a desktop app using uh, Chromium as like what renders the UI. Uh, it so uses Node.js for interactions with like the file system and the devices on the, on the computer. Uh, and then it lets you bridge those APIs across to your, uh, like your actual Chromium environment. Uh, so that bridge is there to maintain security because you could have potentially unsafe code running in the browser part and you don't want that having access to the Node APIs. Uh, but yeah, once you understand that bridge, if you're good at writing JavaScript in Node and good at writing JavaScript in the browser, like it is 
super easy to make an app. One of these days, you're going to learn a Lisp and realize you've been wasting your life with these other languages. <laughs> learn <Just> Lisp? Saying. <laughs> so, I've coded in Scheme before, but just like one small file, which yeah. I think Scheme is a flavor of Lisp, right? Um, it's related. I don't remember how it's related. <laughs> okay. But it was, it was hard to wrap my mind around yeah. that language. Does it have, did it have like an insane number of parentheses? Yep. Parentheses everywhere. Just yeah. everything was surrounded <laughs> in parentheses. Yeah. Uh-oh. Um, examples of other electron apps that people are going to be using a lot. I have the first one that comes to mind is Discord. Yep. Discord, uh, oh. VS Code, if you're a coder, is an electron app. Uh, I mean, Chromium is what runs electron apps, so Chromium is arguably... <laughs> uh, like it's based on the same code uh, but yeah uh, there's a bunch of apps uh, I think Spotify is one yeah Spotify is Electron uh, uh, yep. Telegram is written in Electron or is an Electron app but yeah it's a it's a very awesome framework when did you so, uh, when did you write this was it uh, just last week. So last I've week. only used it a handful of times and it is awesome. It's so it great to your, have it on the screen now. Then your GitHub. Yep. Yeah. It's a uh, github.com slash H So no K in that one, uh, slash stream dash overlay. Yeah, we'll try uh, to make sure that's it's, in the show notes it's, as well. If you want to Google it, it's called Silfweeds stream overlay. Silfweed is my uh, Twitch username. I might, I might try it out. I might try it out on Wednesday on our on our show on Wednesday just to just check it out. Awesome. All right, so that's it for my segment, uh, Dave. What you got? Um, last week I went over all the hardware here in this studio, so now I'm going to talk about the software we use both on the computer here and uh, just real quick some of the stuff that's on the servers. The server stuff isn't really that uh, interesting, I don't think, to most people. Most of it's just running in a Docker container, so <laughs> not a whole lot going on over there, and that's how I like it. Um, so all the computers that handle audio in here are running Ubuntu Studio, um, and the computers that don't have to handle audio are just running some variant of Ubuntu, either like Kubuntu or regular Ubuntu. Um, the computers that do handle audio are using the KX Studio tools for Jack. Um, I'll make sure there's a link to KX Studio in the show notes. It provides me with a lot of uh, basically audio routing options um, so, such that I don't have to have a big mixer with a bunch of cables. The virtual cables are like the biggest thing in KX Studio. The application is called uh, Claudia, and there's information about that on our wiki, actually. The link to the wiki is uh, included here, and it has links to everything we're using. Um, <clears throat> we broadcast using, obviously, OBS. And that goes to our own RTMP server. RTMP is the video protocol. But the app I really like that we use to broadcast is called Butt. And that stands for broadcast using this thing. And I think that's the coolest <laughs> name for an app that I've ever seen. Uh, it's, it's a very old app. It just For a long time, it was not being updated. And I was terrified that one time I'd go to try to install it and it wouldn't work. But over the pandemic, as with many things, uh, the development on it kicked back up again for whatever reason. Maybe people being at home or whatever. Um, 
we also yeah obs connects to an rtmp server obs is also used to record things that we're going to do like this show um but is also used to record audio so that i have backup of the audio in case something happens at least i'll have the audio um and i like that the app is called but have have you noticed that um <laughs> The thing I might talk about next week is a video ninja. It's the, uh, it's not even really an application. It's, it's a system by which you can bring other people or other, even their screens onto OBS without having to use like Skype or discord and do like a window capture of that. It allows you to, you put each uh, person in, they get a link and then you put each person in as a browser source and then you can move their window around and kind of put it wherever you want in OBS. And that's way better than um, the several meltdowns I had trying to use Skype when we first started doing this. I don't know if anybody remembers me (laughs) getting very angry with Skype and Discord. Those are, I remember that. Those are perfectly fine applications. They're just not built for broadcast, especially not if you're trying to have like a few people on. Whereas Video Ninja, if you're watching the video of this right now, I mean, the audio the audio is great. The video looks fine as long as everybody's internet connection is good. And it allows us to do panel shows for uh, the music show. And the, the, the number of parameters and settings you can just put into a people's links is amazing. I suggest checking out Steve Segwin's channel for more information on that. And like I said, my next week, I might do a whole segment on Video Ninja. Um so also to bring in people, sometimes people aren't going to come on with video, right? So I'll, we'll use Discord and they can just hop in the Discord voice room, like if they want to argue with me or whatever. Um, also, we have a old timey phone system for people who, um, you know, have a rotary phone and want to want to tell us whippersnappers how it was in their day. And um, I know HK is a I connoisseur. It's not around me. You're a connoisseur <laughs> of rotary phones, right? Yep. I have uh, I actually have three. One of them came from you. Oh, that's right. It, technically, it came from the media winch. Yeah, that one's awesome. It's the old AT, AT&T, uh, what's it called? Model 500, I think it's called. Oh, yeah, I don't know. any. You just you knew what it was, and I was like, well, you can have it. I don't care about it. It was just sitting like, <laughs> in, like in the studio as if we were going to answer it. If it rang, I would have been really concerned because it wasn't ever connected to anything. <laughs> <clears throat> so for post-production, um, we video editing is and to the extent that i really do editing whatever it's used uh, done using caden live um <clears throat> audio editing we just use audacity to edit audio because we're not really multi-tracking so we're just hacking the ends off of things and inserting like promos and stuff uh, but if i do have something more complicated that i need to do like if i multi-track a band in here or whatever i will do the editing in our door which is a great like full featured daw for linux that is you know as powerful probably as what people are using to produce music just not used as much because most people aren't on Linux. Also on here, didn't mention it, and it's probably not super important. I also use um, I also use Blender to just create uh, quick stingers and stuff. I am not good at 3D modeling, and um, I haven't really explored its video editing capabilities, though some people do swear by Blender as a video editor. Um, Caden Live. I used is- to use it. I, I much prefer Caden Live. Yeah, uh, well, and Caden Live is like gotten like just so much better in the last three or four years. Like it was like crashy and stuff before. Now it's like rock solid stable. It spans across cores a lot better. Like before it would just pin your, it would pin one core and then maybe you'd see the others hit like 30% or something. Now, when you go to render, it'll just pin all your cores and then render is like much faster. And it's just, yeah, the, the improvements they've done on that application in the last couple of years are astounding considering, you know, it's a all volunteer team over there at KDE. 
a um, small team too. Yeah. Yeah. They do, they do a hell of a job over there. Did a little editing on with blenders, uh, you know, video editing there. And it seemed like it was a video editor attached to a 3d, you know, renderer thing. So it didn't yeah. really feel like it was his own thing. No, it, it had much I, love. It didn't feel like that to me either, but blender, like even if you're just doing real simple stuff and you're not too deep into it, blender is just amazing. Once you kind of figure yeah. out the lay of the land in blender, it's not that hard. But then again, the things I'm doing are like, Hey, I would like some rainbows and some text. So it's not like, <laughs> it's, it, you know, I'm not like, I'm not like I would like a 3d model of the stuffed alien in the, in the studio. No, that's different. Someone else can do that. <laughs> I would pay for that though. So that's all the stuff on the, the computer systems here. I didn't get super deep into it because first of all, it's kind of hard to describe some of this stuff because a lot of it's visual, even though most of the apps are audio. Uh, but there's gonna there's links uh, on our wiki and the link to the wiki page about the studios on our website. And there's links to everything that I've mentioned, both in the hardware and the software segment. And then just real quick on our servers. <clears throat> We're on DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is a sponsor of the show. If you go to the support us page on ecoplexmedia.com and you can get a, a $200 credit for uh, DigitalOcean. And once you spend $25, uh, we get that $25. So, um. I don't know if you need any of this server stuff, please uh, use our link. You can support the show that way and try it out for free. So we have an internet radio system that runs. Um, it, it serves two purposes, essentially. One purpose is to give people an audio only feed, a very low bit rate audio only feed. So if they're like jogging or something and want to listen to a live show, they can. And it's they're not going to have to like run a video in their pocket. I know Twitch has an audio only mode, but also we had this a system like this installed prior to doing video so we kept it um it also lets us connect direct like you can go to tune in radio and you can't really find a twitch stream on tune in radio but you can find ours uh it runs a software package called azuracast which includes um just the icecast standard icecast and a program called liquid soap that does all of your song scheduling your song shuffling it's a player uh, and this is all running in a Docker container, which makes my life very easy. You can find that at eplex.xyz, whether or not we're live. When we're live, <clears throat> you get the live feed. When we're not live, the music's on shuffle, and you can even request songs. I This a software package, oh, when I needed to, like, when I broke our server, basically, and needed to reinstall it, I found this <laughs> software package, and it has exceeded all of my expectations. It is a very good software package. It's very stable. And it's what we use to connect but to the broadcast using this thing <laughs> that I was talking about earlier. We have we have a multi-stream uh, service. We're not running. Um, we're not using like a uh, restream or whatever. Uh, we have our own server and it just runs NT RTMP on an Nginx server. It's simple. It was a one-click install. I didn't, I had to go through and do some of the configuration and stuff, but it was very easy. And it's, uh, I don't know about the same price as doing it on somebody else's service, but uh, it's fun to mess with. Um, <clears throat> we have a phone call queue system and we're running it on a kind of an old, old project called Asterisk. And uh, yeah, that's how we get our phone calls when no one calls us. Um, so please call us during the post game of the Sunday and the Tuesday show. Cause I do have to pay a little small bill for something called trunking every month. And if nobody calls, I feel silly paying for that. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> Our wiki is just running on a wiki.js, and that's also just in a, you know, in, a in a Docker container. And uh, we have a wiki, and all all this stuff is open source. Everything that I've mentioned here is open source software, and it all runs on 
all runs on just a, a standard Linux server. Most of it's fairly easy to maintain, and um, I don't know. It makes me sound interesting at parties. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Well, I guess that's the that's my segment. Um, back to you, Matt. Um, all right. I think that's everything. <laughs> Wasn't expecting Dave to throw it back to me. <laughs> and I don't know what we do to close off the, the, the show. So Dave, what do we, what should I be saying to close out the show? Or does anybody else have anything else to add? Oh yeah. Yeah. HK, what, <clears throat> anything to add? Uh, let's see. Uh, I did want to add something. I wanted to add, uh, uh, you know what? I, I don't remember what I wanted to add. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead and close the show. Uh, do you want me to do it? Yeah, sure. You're getting better at closing the Wednesday show so you can start making up the closing <laughs> for this show. All right. Uh, well, thank you for joining us for How the Tech Are You? Uh, this is episode number... Is it three? It is. Three. Yeah, episode three. Uh, and uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, with more tech news for you. Uh, and until then, uh, I don't know, don't get your tech news from anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> no, like and subscribe uh, or subscribe to the podcast if you're uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, if you're on YouTube, like, subscribe, put the bell on, uh, all that stuff. Uh, that's it. Have a great week.